Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Hello and welcome to Springboard Your Venture Investing. My name is Albert Okran. Welcoming you on behalf of Team Springboard right here to your virtual university. This is your most inspirational show and that place where the greatest minds in the world converge. Your virtual investing is brought to you by the Springboard Ratio Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, the Enterprise Group and the Ghana Growth Program with media support from the multimedia group and the graphic business. Ghana Growth Program is a collaboration between the Springboard Ratio Foundation, the Mastercard Foundation, and Limehouse, focused on inspiring young people to discover and deliberately pursue decent and fulfilling jobs in agriculture, agribusiness, and the technical and vocational sectors. And if you're listening today, we trust that you will be informed and inspired to make the right choices. So, we began a conversation last week on job pathways. What drove that conversation? A number of reports, particularly the World Economic Forum in its Future of Jobs report, one report that we track every single time it comes out, has predicted that the AI and green transition will transform the way we work. They say that green jobs and skills are rising both in demand and creation. They also predict the biggest gains being in the areas of education, particularly online learning and agriculture across the world. Zooming in into Africa, there is a focus on five growth points. FinTech or financial technology, food, real estate, e-commerce, and logistics. The cities are the fastest growing industries, according to a particular report. What does that mean for you and for the young people listening to us today? For that parent trying to give their, their, their award career guidance based on what was happening 10 years ago, what does this create? What kind of disruptions are we seeing in the job market? And what should we do next? My guest for today is very qualified to give us direction about not just what to do, but probably even policy issues and how we should prepare ourselves for the years ahead. A very, very favorite person here at the Springboard and Foundation, our guest, Andy Akutu, partner at KPMG. Andy, good to see you. Thank you, Reverend. Good it's to been, see you too. It's been quite a while. Yes, actually. Um, yeah. I don't recall the last time. You were here, but we've, we've hijacked you again. And, and we are glad to see you. You're looking very good. Thank you. So Andy's partner um, in charge of um, advisory services, also with oversight of the, of the risk consulting unit of KPMG. Andy, let's start with an overview of the job market today and the pathways. Is, is this conversation even relevant at all? Very, very, I'll bet, because... Um, we find ourselves with a pool of graduates, 
you know, with varied talents, and yet uh, finding it difficult to place themselves in the productive sectors of the economy. And for that matter, it becomes very important to share ideas, have conversations, look at the practical ways in which we can encourage them to be more intentional about how they can make themselves meaningful participants in this economy. When you say intentional, what must they do differently? Okay. So, Albert, you recall that you and I uh, came out of an era where um, information technology and digital transformation were just buzzwords at the time. By the time some of us finished school and got into the job market, things were beginning to change. And what happens is the resources of tomorrow, who are going to be very productive and valuable, have to adopt a growth mindset. They cannot rely on a sense of entitlement. This is what I've been taught. Uh, this is what I know. Um, and for that matter, that is it. And therefore, when I speak about being intentional, it means being very curious and being lifelong learners. Never for once thinking that, you know, I just have to do A, B, C, D, and that is it. We need to consistently demonstrate curiosity in every challenging moment that comes across our lives. And that's the way we can become very, very productive and vulnerable to this economy. What is the biggest disruption you've observed um, on the jobs landscape? I mean, people, I mean, I, I, somebody just gave me a call and said, listen, I'm full-time employed in my, in my organization, but I just got a call from an international agency saying they want a part-time role and they're asking for this number of hours and I can easily fit it in my schedule and it's, it's, it's virtual, so I, I can just look. I mean, what is, in your opinion, the biggest disruption in the just landscape? Is it migration? Is it online learning? Where you sit, what would you call the biggest disruption? In the accountancy and auditing industry, uh, one of our biggest challenges presently is staff retention and talent acquisition. Um, over the past year alone, I'm sure a lot of leaders within this sector will tell you that there's been, you know, sudden migration uh, and exits of talents from our firms to um, other organizations abroad, all over the place, all right? And for us, it's a stay awake issue because there is nothing more difficult and challenging than investing in training uh, resources that you expect uh, to, um, if you like, populate your pipeline of succession. And one morning, they come and sit in front of you and tell you that, unfortunately, I have to be moving on. 
And the factors are varied. I mean, we all know the economic challenges and all that. But beyond the push factor, there are also pull factors because these institutions that are also attracting these talents are exactly in a scenario where they also feel that the best way to actually also grow their own organizations is to look for talents wherever they, they may find them. And these days, thanks to uh, social media and you know, digital technology, it's very easy to reach out to them, make them very tempting offers, drop a dollar, a green buck against your CD, and the next thing they're on the next flight out. It's so it's a real challenge. It's unbelievable, Andy. And, 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 and you make a very, very, very interesting point when you see that. So you talk about the pull factor and the push factor. Let me, let me talk about the pull factor. So in the UK, we're having a walk comfort today, and this is a very funny one this week because we're having a walk with our children, and then we just um, made a comment about middle-aged. So an argument started about what is middle-aged. And we read the various reports that determined who a middle-aged person is. Then incidentally, I mean, we just, I just said, well, let me check something from the BBC, because knowing that UK had a peculiar problem. And then I realized that the UK has more over 65-year-olds than under-16s. In what sense? Population-wise. It's an aging population. So obviously, the talent pool, the young people that they will need to fill their roles are not there. So it's convenient for them to come to your country and take your skills to their country because their retirement age now is 66 and they are thinking of pushing it out further because the supply is not there. So if the pool is there for Ghana, and if you take a, a industry like nursing, they want them in thousands, in groups, shouldn't we consider what the Indians are doing, actually producing to meet the need instead of fighting it? You hit the nail on the head, actually, Albert. And um, uh, when you talk of India, um, one doesn't have to think very far. I mean, most of the um, highly valued uh, top companies around the world uh, currently have a number of Indians in their boardrooms, um, if not managing these very big global entities, uh, serving in various positions on their boards. And it didn't happen by chance there was a deliberate effort by the government of India to invest and build knowledge centers in places like Hyderabad, um, um, Chennai, you know, and other places, Bangalore, you know, churning out pools of talent after talent. All right, and like you're saying, exporting them. And for that matter, it, it creates a lesson for us, even in our current developmental stage, to also look at ways of how we leverage on this, you know, rather than fight it as you, as, as you, as you say, because <laughs> it's a losing battle if we don't also adopt a good mindset in this respect. Interestingly, just on the lighter side, 
at the end of that conversation, my 17-year-old son used the words growth mindset to conclude that, that debate about middle, middle age and how we should resolve the issue of talent pool versus pool, growth mindset. What does it mean? Well, um, growth mindset uh, from a paper that I researched into coming into this program means not having any sense of, um, how do I call it, complacency, all right? But continuously investing in one's professional and personal development. It can never be, like I said earlier on, that I've graduated, I have this certificate, and that's the end of the world. No. The world is changing so fast that it requires that people and will be um, employees, you know, have a very, very open and curious mindset. They should seek others' perspectives and use it for their next jump. They should make challenges their new best friend, and they should share their success stories. Not to say they are there yet, but to emphasize the learning curve. And take one obstacle and think about four ways you can turn those obstacles into opportunities. Mm -hmm. They should also think about themselves above all as lifelong learners, because that is what it takes to win in the current economic dispensation. Lifelong learning, very, very big theme. Let me settle on, and uh, I have a feeling, Andy, that what you talk about is what is captured in the book, Who Moved My Cheese, uh, about two responses to a crisis. One kept asking what happened, and the other took off in, in search of new opportunities. Let me come to the issue of um, the sectors that we mentioned earlier in our preamble, that AI is changing everything, that the growing sectors are financial technology, food, um, real estate, e-commerce, and logistics. Does any of these surprise you? Not at all. Why? Not at all. Um, if you look around the world, the fact remains that most of the regions around the world have kind of developed. The next real frontier of development sits in this African region, all right? And for us to now also be part of that global chain of development, the areas that you've mentioned come into clear view. And it's very evident that if we are going to win as a nation and really participate in the global economy as partners, as our leaders will continue to say, then we must pay attention to some of these sectors. Agric, low-hanging fruit. We are blessed with the climatic conditions, the soil textures, and what have you, to really make a big, big, big impact in this arena. Of course, in the current dispensation, it's not just relying on the traditional forms of agric and subsistence and what have you, but we need to learn and also uh, adopt emerging technologies, even in this area, 
in order to be able to make the needed impact. If you talk of the logistics area, clearly, <laughs> it goes without saying, the global economy is moving on. Right now, if they came to someone farming, let's say cashew, or let's say share in Ghana, and said, I need maybe 10, 20, 50 tons of your produce. Are we ready to move this, or we are going to give excuses? And therefore, that here comes the logistics manner. I mean, we all need to be very open-minded and agile. I'll give you an example. I wanted to uh, go buy a ticket for a local uh, flight. I go to the offices of this local airline, and I drive in, and I'm stopped and say, well, the spaces in front of our offices are reserved for our staff. As a customer, you need to turn around and go and park at some place that I couldn't even relate to. And I'm like, why do we do this to ourselves? Without a customer, you would not be in business. You should rather let your staff go and park there. Leave the frontal spaces because customers just come in, do what they have to do. Within two, five minutes, they are gone. And you are giving them the inconvenience of having to go somewhere else. Think about it. If a global player in this space come in and customers are faced with this kind of proposition, quickly they shift. Look at our banking sector. What happened until neighboring countries came in with their banking uh, licenses and so on and so forth. All of a sudden, the competition was intense because we've been very, very complacent. You know, so for me, all these we have to think through and make sure that customer well, logistics is about convenience and and making sure that the end customer is served and served efficiently, effectively, and on time. Interestingly, <laughs> interestingly, as you talk about the 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 obvious that once there is agri, there is logistics. I'm still back and seeing. Then there's also e-commerce because Definitely. somebody will request the agricultural products from somewhere and it's be delivered to them without this scene live and colored. Then I think also financial technology because the payments can be done. It, it would seem that these rising sectors are interrelated. Would you think so, Andy? They are all connected. They are all connected. It's all about moving the product from the farm gate or from the production floor to the end consumer. The logistics that it takes to move that in the supply chain, the convenience of payments, all right? At times, even the infrastructure, which in this um, conversation could be easily represented by the real estate, mm. also comes into the conversation. You understand? They are all interconnected. And for me, I've always said that we need to think big as a nation. You know what? And it's not for lack of trying. At times, we need leadership intervention. And what am I talking about, Albert? I've always told myself that given the chance, one thing I'll definitely do, making use of what used to be now the Ghana Trade Fair Center, will be to establish a mall dedicated only to Ghanaian products. Why? 
Ghanaians are trying. Where do they take their products for it to get the visibility, the branding that it deserves? To get the market, all right? You'll find Ghanaians doing some very, very interesting things. These days, packaging standards are going up, all right? You see some product, and then you ask yourself, was this made in Ghana? But where are the supply channels? Where are the markets? All right? We cannot rely on government has to be deliberate about creating a platform to move our markets to the next level where Ghanaian-made products can easily be assessed by local investors, by foreign investors who now say, please, I like this. Make me an order of so-and-so and so. Where do they go and find it? Because if you put it alongside the foreign products in the traditional retail shops, they get swallowed, all right? But give the Ghanaian entrepreneur a platform to show. I've seen some banks trying to make a case for certain aside certain days for Ghanaians to expedite their products, like street markets. Good, but let's be intentional in creating a space where we not only give the Ghanaian entrepreneur the opportunity to showcase their talent and their products, but also to advise them and help them even do more so that together we can win. Andy, what, what you describe a situation that you, you, you seem to communicate as being urgently needed if we stay in the game. Absolutely. What is likely to happen if nothing changes? We'll be left behind, unfortunately. What I mean is that the growing sectors that we are talking about, even the areas that we have competitive, uh, comparative advantage, like Agric, will be taken over. We've heard stories of the Chinese, for example, growing their own variants of cocoa, for example. And we are sitting here and pretending like nothing has happened. What does it mean? It means that it they perfect <laughs> and their cocoa value chain well, <laughs> you know, and they get to the same level of taste and quality. Very soon, we will be, we'll be talking about West Africa being the uh, uh, home of cocoa. We'll be talking about that. So we can never be complacent. We can never be satisfied. We always have to have a growth and curious mindset and continue to learn in order to improve. This is Springboard Il Virtual University and my guest for today, Andy Akutu, partner KPMG. The reason why we love Andy is that he always brings a very sharp perspective to the issues that holds the policymaker on one hand, the young person on one hand, the big business person on one hand, and all of us together to task about what we could do differently in order to be able to move things forward. And so far, he's been saying a few things, among others, that this conversation is critical because we have a large pool of talent unable to move themselves into jobs. And we must be more intentional and also on the part of students, young people in the informal sector and so on, curiosity and lifelong learning must be at the forefront of their thinking. Number two, he said that we should look at job disruptions because talent retention and acquisition is a big challenge in several industries. You mentioned massive migration. The third point is about 
deliberate growing and export of talent based on the model used by India in their centers of excellence in Hyderabad, Chennai, and so on, where they grow and export talent, and they are now dominating boardrooms in big countries because of that policy intervention. The fourth is the growth mindset, and I greet my son in Shira Okran for, for teasing those words in my mind today. And Andy says that growth mindset is about not being complacent, but continuously investing in one's professional and personal development. And at the base of all that is making, turning challenges and obstacles into opportunities. Andy mentions the fifth point as the African economic growth, and he says, listen, other countries, other jurisdictions have moved on and done big things. So it's not surprised that the five areas that we mentioned as growth points. And interestingly, you say all of them are interrelated. Your sixth point is about agility. You say we need to be open-minded and agile to participate in these developments because an example you give, imagine if the trade fair center that used to be trade fair is dedicated to a place where we can showcase Afghanian innovations and products. And that would be a place where they can have exclusivity and get attention that they deserve. Your seventh point so far is about what will happen next if we don't do something about this. And you see, we'll be left behind even in the areas where we think we currently have competitive advantage. Andy Akoto on Springboard, your virtual university brought to you by the Springboard Racial Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, the enterprise group and the Ghana Growth Program with media support from the multimedia group and the graphic business. Let's go for a break. Catch our breath for a while. When we come back, Andy, let's find out what is the way forward, especially for the young people. Please don't go away. When you can be anything, who will you become? When you can go anywhere and never feel alone, how far will you go? When you have the means to make your dreams real, when will you start? When your voice can reach every ear, who will you inspire? When your money can travel faster and further than you ever could, where will you send it? When you can tell a story in every language, which ones will you tell? When nothing can stop you, and everyone's behind you, and the whole world awaits you. Don't go alone. Go with us. Everywhere you go. Kojo Korea. I tread the Billy Goat. No, fall leaders in school time. I am sending you this WhatsApp audio because you are the group admin. Did I not sit in the same class with you? Ask them. It took the group more than three months to contribute only a thousand CDs for me. When it took just one week to contribute the same amount for Nana. Why? name looking faces. A situation like this can be avoided. Sign on to Alumni by Enterprise Live. Designed for members of all students' associations. You decide a fixed amount that covers the lives of members, their spouses, and two adult relations. Say bye-bye to unequal welfare contributions with Alumni by Enterprise Live. It's possible. Charlie, call Daniel on 0246-373653 or Karen on 050-162-7361. Dream big with us. Enterprise, your advantage. <laughs> 
Welcome back to Springboard Adventure University, that place where the greatest minds in the world converge. My name is Albert Okran. Today, sitting out with Andy Akoto, partner KPMG, talking about job pathways. Where are the shifts in the job market? What is happening? Or what are the fastest growing industries? And most importantly, how can the young people of Ghana and Africa venture into those spaces and do well and build a great and prosperous nation. Andy has been sharing some very fantastic thoughts so far and we'll continue to explore some of these growth points and what can what we can do. So Andy, um, in the first part you showed us what is happening, the disruptions and what is likely to happen if we don't do anything. Um, let's settle now on the way forward. Let's explore some solutions. Would you like to start from the policymakers to the young persons or from the young person to the policymakers? I'm giving you a choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I will start with the policymakers okay. and then I'll come to the well, individuals. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so let's start with what but, but I would want to make a quote uh, by a certain author called Daniel Pink, who says, the future belongs to a different kind of person with a different kind of mind artists, inventors, storytellers, creative and holistic, right brain thinkers, whose ability mark the fault line between who gets ahead and who doesn't. Okay, in essence, it's all down to the mind. Mm. Does the government have a mind? Yes, it has a mind. But is it a mind that taps into the collective thinking of our leaders? That's a big question. I don't have the answer. And it becomes very important that we are very consistent regarding what is of strategic importance to this country. What am I talking about? The, the, the most important resource of this country it's his people, okay? It's his people. It's not the land, it's not the uh, minerals that are in the soil or what, it's the people, okay? A lot has been made about STEM education and technical vocational education. The tragedy will be where we don't build upon this in a very inclusive manner. And when I talk of inclusivity, I'm talking about a scenario where administrations of different shades and colors are all agreed that there is an area we need to get well using these three, four, five pillars. Then we can be sure that, as has happened in our educational sector recently, one administration doesn't come up with a policy. Another one will come and reverse it and then it is one step forward, two steps back. We cannot afford to mark time. We can't. So for me, I've always spoken about the need for a bipartisan strategic focus of our system of governance to agree on the key building blocks that will make sure that we are able to really transform 
and become part of the global players in, in the world economy. Does the NDPC not meet that brief? Albert, I don't know much about the NDPC, but from where I sit, my thoughts are that it has taken on a political coloration. In other words, all the people there and the work that they do, once one administration comes in, it is all packed and then an attempt is made to start so that the, the, the mantra of who get credit for what continues revolving with all the inconsistencies in our development planning that we have had over the past decades, bringing us to where we are as a nation. So from a policy-making point of view, you're talking about, you're, talking, you're asking for consistency so that we don't build one step forward, two steps backwards. Precisely. STEM and TVET as an example. Precisely. So the intentionality that the, 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 the policy um, seeds that were sown by countries like India, Singapore, and so on, that they are obviously reaping great dividend from, would it be a suggestion that in these countries, there was a con on, an uninterrupted flow or, or pursuit of these pillars without any different administration interrupting them. Let me put it this way. They might have agreed on some fundamentals. The how would have probably varied from administration to administration. But the fact that, for example, TVETs, has been recognized as very, very important in our maturity level as a country, in our development, would not be overemphasized or would not be discounted. We have a scenario where we have very, very good talents, okay, able to do good plumbing, do electricals. All these are very, very important vocations not only for the middle economy, but also for the top and emerging economies, all right? And we have to make sure that we don't shortchange ourselves, you know, in missing out on the key points, because without a very strong base of technical vocational uh, graduates or resources, the so-called industry growth that we've been looking for will not happen. You know, will not happen. You know what? I I had a chance to look at the German model, as you mentioned, technical and vocational skills. The Germans are proud connoisseurs of state-funded, sponsored, engineered apprenticeship in the technical and vocational spaces. They are experts at it and in our part of the world it, it would seem that we don't even we don't even care about it we don't even regard it as anything my my good friend constance wanika is doing some incredible things in those spaces and anytime i go to dti i ask myself imagine if we had we had 10 such design and technology centers of excellence scattered across this country with numbers of young people able to go there and proudly showcase what they are doing but Sincerely, Andy, 
how do we break this perception of technical and vocational work being for the lowest of the low as it were <laughs> by making it visible to so the people to see the outputs right now you mentioned constance i've heard a lot about dti i probably have a good idea where dti is i've never been there there needs to be a center for innovation and excellence in the kind of things that DTA are, are doing, for them to showcase in a place where I can go, foreign investors can go, and then say, wow, Constance, I need you to give me an order of so much, so much. That is how her business can grow and expand in quantum leaps. If she's employing, for the sake of argument, maybe 50 people, it is only when we make this visible all right. Of course, these days with the uh, with 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 the uh, benefit of uh, the internet and uh, e-commerce and what have you, you can also scale. All right. But in our developmental stage, we need all angles of visibility, both virtual as well as physical, and that's why I talk about policymakers being deliberate about creating a center to showcase Ghanaian innovation and excellence. And trust me, you go to neighboring countries, anything made in Ghana for them is gold. And here we are sitting not being proud of our own. If you met a Nigerian talk about our chocolates and their packaging, one day I put, I put something that was from, I, I, I said, let's go for cosmopolitan London. So I put something from Harrods down and put tea bags made by a young lady here in Ghana young lady doing her own business and bagging tea there was no difference in the packaging i'm telling you this is harold's and then there's another one doing chocolates in the volta region it's just beautiful senior what about the informal sector because if we got that right the world would be a better place for us how do we i mean how do we fully mobilize the informal sector in the Greek spaces, in the Tibet spaces, to to believe in what they are doing, to step to the next level and, and use them as growth points? Thank you for that question. I mean, there is an informal sector in every economy that you, you, you encounter around the world. The difference here is that the base of that informal sector is knowledge and productive knowledge. When I talk about productive knowledge, I'm talking about a knowledge based on a growth mindset. And I'll come back to it time and again. Why not? Because that farmer, that um, uh, bricklayer or block-making factory or that cottage industry, whatever it is that they are producing, is very much aware of what it takes to scale. Okay, of course, at times with policy interventions as well. Okay, so clearly there has to be a meeting of the potential that the informal sector presents and a handshake with policymakers to help them scale. Funding, training, what, 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 where would business that resources. We have them. Where will the handshake lie? The handshakes will happen where business resource centers are readily made available with 
proactive with proactive personnel who are there really to reach out and really really help these uh, 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 informal players to really scale all right right now we have some business resource centers so i've been told okay but how accessible are they how deliberate are the people they even aware of what their real mandate is without slagging it into the typical civil service mindset if you don't come by 12 we are closing for lunch they are gone by two they are back that won't help us we have to move it into an arena that is very very innovative and serious if we are going to otherwise we've invested there but we are not reaping the benefits of the business resource centers stay with this program because as we go along we'll be telling you about some incredible resources opportunities that will be available for young people that dare to dream and dare to step out in these spaces if you just joined us we are wrapping up a conversation with andy akutu partner at kpmg about job pathways on the African continent with the focus on our dear country, Ghana. We've been looking at other uh, developments over the past few years, disruptions and opportunities that have emerged in the job spaces. We've been talking about what will happen if nothing happens. I love that one. What will happen if nothing happens? And in the second part, especially at what we must do going forward, starting from policy makers and then stakeholders like the media and all of us throwing more light on our centers of excellence. What about the individual, the young person looking for, looking for a job at KPMG and not being KPMG material <laughs> and still waiting for to put on the tie and not wanting to go into aggregated with all these things? I'll give you a story. Yeah. Just a couple of days ago. Yes, just two days ago. I came across a colleague, qualified accountant, working in a bank. And she told me that, look, Andy, I, I, I feel like I need to be at another level with information technology, but I don't know where to start. There is someone who has gone through the grind of educational sector done well for him or herself, qualified as a chartered accountant, and still feels short of what it really takes to be effective, even in her current role, okay? So what are we talking about? We are talking about mentorship as well. We are really, really talking about mentorship. And I commend Springboard and yourself for doing these kind of things, because that is where we can all share ideas and through that mentor the individuals who are coming through. For the individual, and, and that's the same uh, uh, answer I give to the young chartered accountant who was looking at how he or she becomes even more relevant using technology. I said, that, look, go online. These days, the best university is online. There is nothing that you are looking for that you Google, you can find. Everything is online. There is so much information, all right, that you can leverage, all right? We talk about even how artificial intelligence 
is beginning to shape the discourse of the world economy. These days, we are talking about chat GPT, for example, passing exams, MBA exams, and the rest. Does it mean that humans are at risk? I don't think so. But the humans that are going to be able to uh, make the most of AI should also combine that AI with emotional intelligence. Absolutely. To give what is known as augmented intelligence. Because that is how we can then leverage some of these advances to win. And believe you me, when ideas like AI come, it would never have been the work of only one person. It would have been built on by several individuals or even research institutions to get to where it is. And nothing debars the young Ghanaian sitting in Asamankese from finding out about how they can leverage that in order also to scale or make themselves more valuable in the job market. All right. So for me, lifelong learning. Let's be curious. Let's be, let's adopt a mindset that says that, look, yes, there is a way of doing this, but there has to be a way of doing it better. Then you can also begin to win. Let's close with education. Um, the foundations are laid right at the at the very nursery level, primary level, and then through GS, GHS, SHS, and then to tertiary and beyond, depending on the variant. I mean, whether it's Cambridge or whatever, but right from the base, it's education that plays a very key role, as well as family socialization. What should we do differently as families, as educational institutions, maybe even as a media, a media in shaping conversations? What must we do differently, in your opinion? Well, um, I don't know whether I have all the answers, but that's a tough question. Um, for, for one, education is not just in the classroom. Education must also begin from the home. And so I believe as a nation, we have come this far with the benefit of having strong family culture and practices. Suffice it to say that our family systems are under stress in these times, okay, with a number of challenges, you know, that we cannot exhaust in this discourse, all right? But nonetheless, I believe that parents, your best and your most important obligation is to help bring up a very, very responsible child to be able to also partake meaningfully within the economy. All right, it, can't, it shouldn't be left to just teachers. One thing though that I also have come across recently is the quality of the teachers that we are putting in our classrooms. And there's a big debate about the teacher licensing regime. With all apologies, I haven't gone too much into it, but at the top level, what I gather is an attempt to make sure that we are not putting in front of our children in the classroom 
unqualified teachers, people who don't even know why they are there in the first place. Albert, one of the best moments in my career as an individual was when I finished secondary school and I did national service, okay, in a, in a, in a primary school. And the opportunity to tap into the various faculties and thinking of your pupils, okay? Some very sharp, some not so sharp, but making sure that you engage them in such an animated and uh, uh, enthusiastic way that it makes them take an interest in what you are trying to carry across. It was one of the best times in my life. I enjoyed teaching so much that, but for something I'd have stayed in the teaching field. You know, it, it's such a joy. I I wouldn't mind. I mean, my career <laughs> is moving on, but I wouldn't mind. You know, tapping into that because I mean, sharing knowledge is something that you know is one of my passions. You know, to see how people can also grow and develop on their own. Okay, so as far as I'm concerned. Getting our teachers to really appreciate why they teach and not necessarily for economic survival is part of the conversations we shouldn't ignore because at the end of the day, they have an impact. Whether we like it or not, they do. In another life, I might have been a scientist, not an accountant, Albert. Why? Because I was so good, chemistry, biology. I had a teacher in physics. Before he starts a lesson, you see him yawning about three or four times. And then he's doing a calculation on the side that he himself is not sure before he can. And that killed my interest in physics. Oh my goodness. And so whatever scientist that was in me disappeared. So that is a risk we carry. If we don't make sure that we are also putting him in front of our kids and our educational agenda, qualified teachers, passionate teachers, we wouldn't get it right. Andy Akutu of KPMG has been sharing his thoughts on the job pathways and I have 12 slides for your attention and digestion and for sharing. And I hope that you will travel this with me as I break down these slides for you. Andy has first been saying that this conversation about jobs is very critical and we need to have curiosity and a growth mindset. The second lifelong learning, sorry, the second one is about job disruptions. And he's saying that it is pervasive in every industry with some being hit more than others. And there is a massive, massive export of talent from some industries or migration from some industries. The third is about um, deliberate export. He says if the need is there, why not consider, why don't you consider deliberately preparing these exports in centers of excellence or knowledge centers as is done in countries like India and exporting them to dominate boardrooms in other countries and then help build their own countries. The fourth is a growth mindset which he describes as not being complacent, continuously investing in yourself and then using challenges and springboards, my word, springboards uh, to find opportunity. The fifth is about Africa. He's saying that the five growth points are not surprising him at all. In fact, they are to be expected. And if you look at them closely, they actually are interrelated. And if you were not here when we had that conversation, those five points are food, financial technology, 
e-commerce, real estate, and logistics. It seems they are very interrelated. The sixth is about agility. He says we have to be open-minded and agile about seizing these opportunities. He says, listen, a country like, I mean, if you look at a place like the Trade Fair Center, imagine it being, and it could be anywhere, not just necessarily there, being remodeled as a place for showcasing Ghanaian innovation exclusively for the Ghanaian entrepreneur, if I may add my own variant, the young entrepreneur. The seventh is about risk. He says, if, if we don't do anything about what, where we are trending now, will be left behind even in the areas that we think we currently have competitive advantage. Number eight, I like this quote you put out by Daniel Pink. You said the future belongs to different, a different kind of mind. Which part of the brain? Right. The right brain. Artists, storytellers, inventors. And you see, they mark the fault lines between those who make it and those who don't. I, I took note of that. The, the ninth is about policymakers being consistent, not having one government do this, and then one government come and approve everything done in TVET and STEM. Your tenth point is about TVET, and you say we must make the centers of excellence very visible and provide a handshake in the form of business resource centers that can catapult that small person to a place where they can employ more and grow their businesses. The 11 points about mentorship. And you threw a very interesting challenge. You say, listen, the best university is online. You can learn anything you want to learn. And even when they say AI is encroaching, if you add emotional intelligence, you get augmented intelligence. That puts you at an advantage. So you don't Correct. lose. And uh, the last one you, you made is about education and families. You say education goes beyond the classroom, Andy, and you say families must step up to the plate and prepare their young people for the future. Talk about your own personal favorite experience doing some teaching and suggest that we must be intentional about getting our teachers to be prepared, passionate, and ready to teach well to prepare our young people for the future. These are your thoughts. 12 lessons from Andy Akuto on job pathways. Andy, before we sign off, look to that young person who is looking at you and saying, hey, I wish I were one day a partner, partner at KPMG, and tell them something to close in a minute. Well, um, I believe the way up is by faith. Whoever you are, it takes courage and perseverance and of course, a curious mindset to grow. So my humble admonition is never ever give up. Always find within yourself the strength or within your spiritual self, the faith to really move ahead and believe that you will win and it shall come to pass. Thank you. And if, if I may add, amen. Believe and it shall come to pass. The voice of Andy Akoto, partner KPMG, bringing to the close the second in our series of conversations on job pathways. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you. Let's do this again. 
Don't don't dodge us, please. <laughs> Find time in your position to <laughs> do this again because this has been very very wonderful. Yeah. So this has been Springboard, your virtual university brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Ghana, the Enterprise Group, and the Ghana Growth Program with media support from the Multimedia Group and the Graphic Business Newspaper. And just to remind you, the Ghana Growth Program is a collaboration between the Springboard Racial Foundation, the MasterCard Foundation, and Limehouse, aimed at exciting young people to deliberately look for opportunity and pursue fulfilling and rewarding careers in agriculture, agribusiness, and ATVets. My name is Albert Okran, saying God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. <laughs>